G'day. Michael, are you on your phone or are you here at the podcast with us? (laughs) This is the DC Wash Up podcast. I'm Stephanie March. Michael Vincent is now turning off his phone and we have his full attention. Hello, guys. (laughs) And Roscoe Whalen, our wonderful producer. Hello, and welcome back, Steph. We've traded out the Bureau Chief Zoe Daniel for you this week. So, welcome back. I'm missing a Zoe. Thank you very much. I had a lovely time on the road, but I'll talk about that next week. Um, Watch ABC News. Yeah, watch ABC News. Teaser. Exactly. Um, Don't know which day or night, but that's all right. Um, So, since we last were here, a lot has happened. Um, Up to date on the state of the race. So, we've had the Republican primaries in Nevada and South Carolina, both won quite comfortably by Mr. Donald Trump. Mm. We've had the Democratic primary in Nevada, comfortably won by Hillary Clinton. And we have the South Carolina Democratic primary coming up on the weekend. Hold up, were these caucuses or primaries? Oh, so confusing. So confusing. Well, Nevada was a caucus. Oh. For both? Okay, all right. So you had that. And um, yeah. Uh, you basically had a Donald Trump. Now we're winning, 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 <laughs> winning, winning. He's everywhere. Everywhere. That's our timer for today. We'll try and stick to time. So the fallout so far, let's talk about the Republicans first. Trump winning, uh, that's a, an interesting development, but we also lost someone this week. We lost Jeb Bush from the campaign. Please clap. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, look, I think... Um, I mentioned this last time. I think it's incredibly sad um, how his campaign, you know, he he had to convince his wife to get into the campaign. He got in over a year ago and he spent over $100 million between him and his super PAC and by far far more than anyone else and nothing from it. Absolutely nothing from it. I think it shows how much this electoral cycle is different to any other before. He's a traditional establishment candidate, and if it was politics as usual, then he probably would have been in for a good shot. But two things, obviously, one Michael mentioned was over $100 million in the coffers, and it didn't even make a dent. Um, And secondly, that the mood in America is kind of leaning away from a candidate that's so humble and modest, I guess, and is looking for someone with a little bit more rah-rah to them. And he was clearly, I think, visibly so frustrated by Donald Trump. Just he never. It seemed like he'd never come across anything before it in his political life, and did not cope well. And was flustered in the debates, and um, his responses to Trump's attacks were always awkward. And it just, yeah, as you said, Roscoe, if it had been a more a more normal normal, <laughs> if there is a normal anymore, a more normal um, race, maybe it would have been different. And on that point, I think it was 130 million he spent. Ooh. Thousand bucks to get in the race and 130 million to lose. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, uh, it's the end of the Bush dynasty, as some people have written up in the wash-ups they've written. Um, and uh, frankly, uh, you'd find it hard-pressed anyone to, you know, go out on a limb to say he went out too early. Um, you know, I wonder, I, I honestly wonder whether, and, and again, people have written this and said he should have gone after after Trump earlier and harder and, and all of that. But, you know, Trump's put-downs were so devastating to his, uh, that, that you know, that in those first debates, you know, Jeb, you're low energy. He nailed it. I mean, he was. He just didn't have any oomph in his... In his, uh, in his drive, and I was listening to a New York Times reporter who followed the whole campaign and wrote a, her piece about it, uh, um, you know, in the last couple of days, saying, you know, one-on-one, really good with people, really good explaining, you know, not just talking points, 
didn't come across like that in the main, in the campaign. Can I just say, I think the the best summing up was by HBO's John Oliver, who said Jeb Bush was the side of white rice that nobody ordered. Aww. I think that really sums it up, though. He was just plain old Jane, and it wasn't. Gonna you stick. expect him to be there, but yeah. no one really wants a bar of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's quite interesting. And you're right. I mean, is it the end of the Bush dynasty? And what do you do after you've all had a crack? Two of you won. One of you's lost. What happens next? <laughs> I'll be interested to see the next chapter in the Bush story. And on the other side of the coin. Uh... Now we're winning, winning, winning. Oh, there he is again. Hey, we're on time. Yeah, we are. That's pretty, pretty remarkable, actually. So flicking forward, the next thing on the agenda is this Democratic primary or caucus. Primary. Primary. In South Carolina on the weekend, Michael Vincent, you'll be there representing for the ABC. What are your thoughts? Uh, look, it, by all accounts, it's going to be Hillary um, Hillary in a huge, huge victory for her, which is great if you're on her campaign and you want to get a bit of momentum going into Super Tuesday, you know, 72 hours later. Um, Bernie Sanders has angrily denied he's written it off the state. He he basically went out of the state. Um, oh, he went there Sunday and Monday and came back on Tuesday and then went out to several other states' campaign. And he might be coming back in in the last sort of 24 hours. But essentially, it's going to be a potentially double-digit win for her. So, what's, what's Hillary's strength there? Is it the African-American vote and the Latino vote? Or no, is it absolutely. Absolutely, African-American vote um, makes up a substantial chunk of the Democrats turning out. And uh, by reading, um, I mean, I'll hopefully see this uh, tomorrow and on Saturday when I go uh, talking to people. But essentially, it's um, they don't know Bernie. They just don't know this guy. Um, they, you know, some people have teased him as being some sort of granddad and that sort of thing that um, they don't, they can't relate to. And they know the they know the Clintons. She's a grandmother, but anyway. No, that's right. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But but uh, she, the Clintons are well known. They've got the backing of the establishment. The establishment have been out campaigning for them. So, you know, uh, for all the Danny Glovers, the actor Danny Glover, who's uh, been parachuted in to advocate on behalf of, uh, uh, of behalf of Bernie Sanders, you've got God, God himself, Morgan Freeman, um, advocating for Hillary Clinton, let alone the establishment, uh, James Clyburn, very well-regarded Democrat, uh, who's uh, been, who will in the last 48 hours be out there getting, uh, getting out the vote for her. And this is the amazing thing. It's this kind of lining up or jockeying for people in the black community that can represent their message best. The race has been on and that's always been the problem with Bernie Sanders' campaign is can it go nationally? He's been dominant in states which are predominantly white and now moving south and we saw it in Nevada. Hillary seems to have a stronghold on minority groups, Latinos, African Americans and that's why they think she's probably the more electable candidate in a general election. As someone pointed out to me last week that she does have the ability to sound like a black preacher in a church when she gets on stage, which is obviously a natural advantage in the South. Uh, speaking of the South, we've got Super Tuesday. So excited. So excited. Massive day. 12 Super states. Super Tuesday. 12 states. Um, and, yeah, it's... Sort of 12 states. It's almost 12 states. Yeah, you've got... You've so got, confusing. We don't care. Yeah, it is. No, it's incredibly confusing because some people have written 12, some people uh, 11, some people have written 13. The reason we've come back to 11 is because American Samoa oh, is a state. It doesn't really, you know, like right. it's only 10 delegates or 9 delegates. So it doesn't, you know, not you count, huge. but you don't count. You don't count it. Yeah, you count it, you don't count it. And then you've got, um, for Democrats, it's Americans abroad, which you don't yep. tend to count either. And Colorado, uh, for the Republicans, is not being counted this year. Um, their delegates are just being held. Very complicated. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's a lot. 
It's heaps. It's heaps. Is it half the delegates, Michael? So, again, delegates, you know, the, all this primary stuff is about each candidate collecting as many delegates as they can and they go to their convention in July and a bunch of delegates go, we want Hillary, we want Bernie, we want whoever. And then that's how we decide who gets the nomination. We've only had, I mean, we've had four um, contests on each side so far and that's only, what, about 50, 60 delegates yeah, or Yeah, I mean, look, or... Trump's got 81 on, on the yeah. Republican side. The other two, Cruz and Rubio, got 17 each, 17 each. I'm not familiar with the Dem side so much because it's not. It's pretty 51, close. Fifty-one, fifty. Yeah, yeah 51 look at all. Yeah, until you count Hillary's super delegates, and then it's like five hundred and eighty to. And yeah. this Super Tuesday is like half of yeah, the whole both, lot for right. both sides. Yeah, for, for the Republicans, it's five ninety-five um, out of their twelve hundred. Um, sorry, eleven hundred and thirty-seven that they need. And on the um, Democrat side, it's uh, just a little bit over one thousand, and they need to, uh, for the uh, nomination. They need a little over twenty-two hundred. So. Um, it's it's huge, and and some states. I mean, this is the, for the Republicans, Georgia and Texas, especially Texas, with so many delegates. You know, um, over one hundred and fifty delegates. If they don't, if you're not, if you're a Ted Cruz, you're probably going to get get over the threshold. You need twenty percent to be able to get any of those delegates. So, Trump, Cruz, probably safe. Rubio, if you don't get over twenty percent, you get nineteen point six percent. Texas, you don't get you don't get anything out of Texas, and that's yeah. a huge number of delegates. So that's critical. Georgia's similar. Uh, a couple of the other states are similar, but you know, big numbers up on Tuesday, and they're not all shared around. Hmm. There's a good metaphor in there, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Explaining how that works, and I was sitting we'll here get trying back to think to you of something next clever. Week. So um... yeah, I mean, it is, but it is kind of, and again, it's the momentum it's thing. Up until now, it's really been about the momentum, right. and you know, Trump's been getting that, Hillary's been getting that. You know, um, Ted Cruz obviously got the boost with winning Iowa. Rubio's come back a little bit. Rubio Bernie had... did well in New Hampshire, but this is actually now this is numbers. Like this is, it's not just momentum. It's like hardcore. This is what you need to win the nomination. So it gets serious almost now. Oh, very serious because people are saying if Cruz doesn't win Texas, he should drop out of the race. Uh, you, in two weeks' time, you're going to have Florida. If well, if your uh, own neighbours don't like you, then you probably should get out of the race for Ted Cruz. If if he's a Texan, if they don't, yeah. you know, if he doesn't get up in Texas, he's got serious can't issues. Can't win at the home ground. Right? It's, yeah, it's kind of like absolutely. a Bernie New Hampshire sort of thing. Well, that's right. Bernie's obviously got Vermont on Tuesday as well, and, and he's. I mean, some polls have him at seventy-five percent or something like that. That's what I read. I mean, that's obscene um, um, when you think about it uh, between two candidates. So. Um, for Hillary, she's going to uh, do well in a lot of those states. Uh, I think four out of the nine she's predicted to win by very close margins. He's expected to pick up at least two um, by very good margins, and the rest are just line balls. So, I don't. I mean, for the Democrats, the race is going to be very long, very hard. And for the Republicans, um, you know, after Super Tuesday, if Ben Carson doesn't drop out, oh yeah, him exactly. Number five. <laughs> John Kasich will probably stay until Ohio, um, and as I said, um, Rubio is going to stick around to Florida at least. But um, Rubio had a great line yesterday, which I think sums up the oddities of this entire thing. Well, he told Fox News, "You don't have to really win many states to win the nomination. It's not that important." <laughs> and right now, that's holding true. He is yet to get a victory, but he keeps spinning it the right way. So I think if you need to summarise how ridiculous this entire primary season yeah, is, but that sounds like soccer, really that, seriously, that sounds like the Socceroos every World Cup until they until Aww. they finally got to Germany. It was no, it's really that sums up the look. Oh, well, you know, pale. we're almost there. Like you just, you know, you, yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, it's going to be massive, um, and I think. Are we, are we, can you hear something, Roscoe? I don't, I can you, can is there something? Ah, oh, there he winning, is. Winning, winning, winning. That would be our timer. I'm getting you an egg timer, Michael Vincent, for Christmas. Hardly interesting. Or maybe earlier. 
So now we have a guest, which is very exciting. Yes. So we've got on the line David Hassani, who's the senior editor of The Federalist, who's written for The Washington Post and many other publications. Hi, David. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, you've been writing a lot about this... Uh, this Phenomenon. Phenomena that is <laughs> Donald Trump, uh, about which we get a lot of questions from our audience in Australia. Uh, and I suppose what's happened recently, he's won now three in a row of the primaries and caucuses, and uh, what was once thought to be a bit of an anomaly, an aberration, uh, seems to be, you know, possibly someone who is actually on track to win the nomination. What are your thoughts? Like, how viable has the last four primaries and caucuses made him? And what do you think that means going forward? Uh, well, I mean, so when it, you know, when he first emerged and he first ran, I think establishment figures were, were just dismissive of him, and I was dismissive of him as well. But it, which he, with, with each victory, panic starts to creep in. And I think we're at the point where I don't see how he loses it um, unless – all the other candidates or I mean all you know most of the other candidates drop out and coalesce or there's some sort of unity movement uh, among conservatives in the United States to stop him other than that uh, I don't really see a path for anyone else to win because they simply knock each other out so um, there are some big primaries coming big days Super Tuesday things like that there's going to be a new numerous um, big states up for grabs and Donald Trump is essentially leading in almost all of them right now so that is a that's very bad news for the Republican Party. Mm. On the side of the maths, is is it the case? Do you believe that if uh, Donald Trump does win, you know, uh, at least five or six of these Super Tuesday states, um, he's in, he's almost then unbeatable, and and that that then is if Cruz and Rubio um, stay in, and of course if if Kasich stays in, let alone Carson, but um, it really does maintain his momentum, you know, going in. I think there's two ways to look at it. Uh, if that happens, I, I think the momentum is not. I, I think it's not just momentum. It is a fact that 35 to 45 percent of the primary voters in the Republican Party want Donald Trump, and there's no way around that. Um, the thing is, if he wins a bunch of states on Tuesday, you're going to probably want all the candidates to stay in from then on, because then your only hope is. And I have to say, this does not sound like. Uh, it sounds sort of like a movie or something, but if everyone stays in, you'll have a brokered convention, maybe if no one's Showdown. capable of pulling together enough delegates, which is an unlikely scenario, even if that happens. David, can I ask, you're talking about this 35 to 45%. Who are they? Everyone talks about this is such a, a joke and Donald Trump was never a real candidate, but he's obviously resonating. Who, who are these 35 to 45% of American Republican voters that want him to be the nominee? Um, well, it's, it's actually sort of surprising, I think, when you, when you dig a little bit into the polls, you'd assume that um, very conservative people would like him. But the truth of the matter is many moderates, moderate Republicans like him, people who either, I think there are one, one faction are, are people who don't pay that much attention to politics. They want, you know, he has name recognition. The other faction are, are one-issue voters on immigration because he has such a, Sort of strident beyond that, I guess. So, and the last, and the last one, I, I think, are just people who are sick of the Republican Party, white working pla class people who uh, don't care about the sort of idealism that goes with, uh, you know, uh, talking about the Constitution or about the philosophy 
of conservatism as much as they care about winning and getting things uh, that that are important to them done. So, I, I don't think there's one particular group of people. I think it's a it's a it's a varied types of Americans who support Donald Trump. They all have their own reasons, and uh, I have to be honest with you. My whole you know, I've been doing this, I guess, 20 years, and I've always sort of tried to understand, even the people I disagree with, why they believe in the things they believe. And I, I can't wrap my head around this one <laughs> at all. So half of me is saying this is, the most awesome, yeah, this is the most awesome thing that's ever happened. We're going to blow it up. It's going to be so much fun to write about. And the other half is... I can't, you know, saying I can't believe that the republic is over after 200 and some odd years. Oh, wow. That's quite dire. <laughs> that's the big call. You were saying you think possibly if Trump does do well in Super Tuesday, the best case scenario to, um, to you know, bring him down would be for everyone to stay in. That's probably unlikely. Who do you think out of out of Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, who are, you know, close polling closest behind Trump, who would actually have a better shot at beating him in a brokered convention or throughout the rest of the, the primary caucus season? Well, my own personal, this is, you know, I, I argue about and we debate this at the Federalist, but I think Marco Rubio is best positioned to win, though then you, I watch him in action sometimes and I say to myself, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, I, I actually think a unity, uh, a unity ticket of Cruz and, and Rubio would be the best thing. But... Um, the problem is this. I think Marco Rubio probably has a better appeal in the general election. He uh, sort of has a sunny Reagan-esque sort of way about him. Um, but this is a grievance election. It's an angry election. Um, and I'm not sure that's going to work for the primaries. So I think there's a better candidate for the general, and that's Rubio. I think there's a better candidate for the primaries, which is probably Cruz. So you know, but you need to win both. So I, I'm not sure for Republicans which the be, what, what what is the best way here. And I can tell you something: if Trump doesn't win it, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to feel cheated and angry. And I think those people will not come out to vote. Many of them. So it's just a bad situation, no matter what happens moving forward. I think for Republicans, can, just can you really picture President Rubio with Vice President Cruz? I don't think Cruz would accept that, would he? <sighs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. They Probably hate not. each other. Probably, yeah, they do. But listen, I mean, you know, Reagan and Bush in 1980, they hated each other. Uh, Bush mm. came up with the coin, the voodoo economics phrase. Uh, there were some famous sort of battles there. So it's happened before. P power heals all wounds, you know, or the promise <laughs> of it. So I'm, you know, if Cruz could be vice president, I'm sure he'd want it. But the problem is, I think both of them think they can win and no one's going to leave. And by the time they do, it'll be too late. Do you really think this is a watershed moment for the Republicans? It depends what they do after Trump becomes uh, the nominee. If they decide to back him, they'll be backing 45% tariffs and all the stupid things he says and uh, f just for partisanship. Now, if they say that's not what we're about, uh, and we're going to undermine him and we don't want him to win, and it's sad, you know, then we're, we're sort of sad that we, we messed everything up so bad, but we're going to keep Congress and the Senate, and we're going to strengthen conservative values, and we're going to do better next time. I think that, that sort of path will help them in the long run. Um, but then what happens is, you know, there's going to be a really big split in the party. And this civil war has gone on since the Tea Party erupted. But that was an idealistic movement. This is just, I don't know what it is. It's an angry movement. And uh, I'm not sure where it ends. But I, I think backing Trump would be the worst thing they could do. And on that note, David Hassani from The Federalist, thank you so much for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
Well, that's sort of, I suppose, it for now until Super Tuesday. Zoe, Daniel, our bureau chief, will be in Texas. I'll be somewhere in the great... Great land that is America, wherever we decide to go. So final thoughts for the week. I... You've probably already seen it unless you've been hiding under a rock, but if you haven't seen Insider's mashup of Donald Trump as a Game of Thrones character, mm. please, please, please go to the Insider's Facebook page so or on YouTube or whatever and watch it. It's gone viral here in the United States. It made the front page of the New York Post. will be Goldberg plated on The View. So congratulations to Hugh Parkinson from Insider's for Very that nice. wonderful piece of work. If you've run out of anything to think about with Donald Trump, please look up the ongoing list by the New York Times titled The 199 People, Places and Things Donald Trump Has Insulted (laughs) on Twitter. And finally from me, if you're a single progressive and you're not sure where to go to find a match, uh, last week BernieSingles.com was released. About (laughs) 10,000 people signed up. Uh, Someone said, I live in rural Montana and everyone I know is either very conservative or a Donald Trump fan, so they're looking for love. So the Bernie brand might get legs. We've got Bernie sandwiches. We've got Bernie singles. Oh, yeah. it's Babies for Bernie. (laughs) What? Babies for Bernie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't be a proper week without a little bit of yes. merch for Roscoe, the yes. office-bound office producer. Bound producer. Um, I am only the messenger. This is a gift from wonderful Zoe Daniel from uh, South Carolina. Was it from South Carolina? It was from South Carolina. Wherever you are, um, Zoe. She described it as ironic. Russell, Russell, Russell. This is real rustling as this well, This is guys. real rustling. Oh, oh, that's cute. Very sweet. It's a little snow globe uh, with South Carolina and a palm tree in it. She did say it was an um, ironic weather-related... A palmetto. A palmetto, if oh, you will. Oh, there you go. Yeah, All right. Thank On that you. little nerdy factoid, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.